Hello, everybody. Good evening. Um, go ahead. Hopefully, everybody has a Bible. If there, are there still extra Bibles around? No? Okay. <laughs> Share with a buddy. Share with a friend. Um, Ephesians 2 is what we're starting today. We're starting chapter 2. Um, if you're in the black hardback Bibles, I believe that's 1037. Beautiful. Okay. All right. I'm going to start reading and then I'll pray for us. All right. Ephesians 2, 1 through 13, from death to life. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too, all too previously, lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were children, nature, we were by nature children under wrath, as the others also were. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the, heavenly, in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that you, no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised, by those called the circumcised which is done by flesh of human hands. At the time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners of the covenant of promise, of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we um, come to you. As we're going through this passage, I um, thank you so much for your amazing grace and mercy that you've poured out on us that we'll see in this passage, Lord. Um, we just admire this amazing um, wonder of you sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. I just pray that um, you would just focus our hearts and um, just allow our ears and minds to just understand this passage um, and I just pray that anything that is not truth that comes out of my mouth, that I would just be lost and forgotten, um, and that we would all be walking away, um, being able to reflect on our own, um, figuring out where our souls are. In your great name, amen. All right. So let's set the scene first. Who, we're in Ephesians, who's writing? Paul, where is he? And who is he writing to? A church. A church. Yes. So Christians, believers that he um, either converted or got to know through the early Acts church. And what's he doing in this passage through Ephesians? What's his goal? 
Tessa? Yeah. Yeah, so they know about Jesus, but he wants to encourage them. And we said he's in prison, right? So he is actually kind of somewhere that we wouldn't expect someone to decide to write about encouraging somebody, but that is what he's doing here. Um, So... First of all, the main point tonight um, we're going to go through, there's like three chunks of this uh, chapter that I kind of broke down. So the main point is apart from Christ, we are dead. With Christ, we are alive. And in Christ, we are fruitful. So we're just going to go through verse by verse um, tonight. And you, so verse one, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. So right off the bat, Paul's kind of calling them out. He's saying, you were dead. And we're going to see in this first chunk, it's all going to be past tense because he's speaking to believers. So there um, is, we're, it's saying just right off the bat, you, we were, and he's including himself too, saying that before Christ, they were dead. And trespasses is a word we see a lot in the Bible, but it's kind of like always paired with sin. What does it really mean? Um, trespasses is equal to saying like a sin. Um, It's an offense against someone. And uh, in some translations, it literally is called a false step. So like a step in the wrong direction is a trespasses. So when it says trespasses and sins, um, it's just, he's just pointing out that when we were dead, we were dead because of those things. We were dead because of our sin. It wasn't anything else. Um, I think it's also neat that Paul doesn't say you're dirty or damaged or sick. He calls us dead. He's very clear um, in this first verse that we're not coming back to life on our own. Think of like a dry stick. You can't water a stick. You can't, you know, put it back in the ground and bury it and a tree will come. There's nothing. There's no hope for it. It is completely dead. And then in verse 2, it continues, in which you previously lived according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. So we know that we were previously dead if we were a believer. That was in our past. And But he's still going to be describing what was this dead life. So when we were dead, um, apart from Christ, we were... Um, walking by the ways of the world and ruled by Satan, it says in this, um, in verse 2. When it says, it's tricky, according to the power of the air. When we're on earth, we are in this in-between state right now, between heaven and earth. And so the Bible's clear, while we're on this planet, the ruler of the air is Satan. He's the one um, that's here. That doesn't mean he has ultimate power and authority, but he, this is his land. This is where he rules Um, And this is the only place that he'll ever have any power or authority. And so Paul's saying we were ruled by the world, um, which can look like a lot of things. A lot of us probably understand, though, when there's times where um, we just kind of give in. We kind of see how the world acts and lives, and it's easy just to follow along with that. But you're seeing um, here that Christians are called to be very different from the world. So we're supposed to be like the world in our past. And if we become a believer, we're supposed to look forward and be different from the world. So we were walking by the world and we were ruled by the power of the air. 
um, the spirit was working in the disobedient. And some translations, translations say working in the children of disobedience. So that's what we were. We were children of disobedience. We were always going to be missing the mark, always going to not be following um, the way that the Lord wanted us to live. That's just natural for us. That's, we just, that was inherited to us. Sin was inherited to us from Adam and Eve. And in every single one of us from the second we um, were born and created, we, God knew that we were going to mess up and um, not act according to the Bible in any perfect way. Verse 3, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, of, as the others were also. So here is the third thing he's pointing out that we were in our past. He's saying we were carrying out our fleshly desires, which I think we all like can think of different things um, that could be a fleshly desire, whether that is to be violent towards somebody, whether that is um, to lie and escape um, things that come our way. Anything could be a fleshly desire, but it's something that you just have an inclination you want to do um, that is contradictory to scripture would be sin. I think we all know like our hearts naturally want to sin. There's always that something of like, you tell me not to do something, I want to do it more. And that is... um, what he's saying of we cared more about our own thoughts and flesh than we did, um, than we do now. So those are things that were us in our past. Then in verse 4, he says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in our trespasses. So these first three verses have been pretty gloomy, right? He's talking about you're dead, you're not, you're under wrath, right? You're children of disobedience. And now he's saying, but God, who is rich in mercy and has great love for us. And then verse 5 goes on to say, has made us alive. So this you're really going to see in this passage, a whole 360, right? Something totally different. You're dead, and now we have... He's made us alive in Christ. So this is now with Christ. He's going to be describing who we are. So Paul's talking to this church, reminding them who they were, and is now telling them who they um, have been made to be through Christ. So with Christ, it says in verse 5 that we've been made alive. Um, And even though we were dead, right, which that's an impossible thing. You were dead and now you're alive. And that is why that but God is so important, too. It's only because of God that we were able, um, that that's even a possibility for us to be made alive. But he says we've been made alive with Christ and we are saved by grace. Um, He comes in to save us and his great love is was saving us from the worst thing that could possibly have happened right um eternal separation from god so when we he made us alive even though we were dead and this word grace when it says at the end of five you are saved by grace grace is like a gift and gifts are normally free you don't really do anything for them 
Um, but this gift ultimately was totally unjustified, unwarranted. It was nobody's idea but God. Um, and it was totally just his amazing plan. Um, Jesus Christ gave his life through his bloodshed on the cross. Um, and that is the ultimate grace that we will, the biggest gift in the um, largest amount of grace we'll ever get. That's completely undeserved, came out of nowhere. It was the only perfect sacrifice that could stand in that place. So, going on to six. He's made us... Oh. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So now we get another thing that Jesus has done. First, he has made us alive. Now he has raised us up. So, again, super contradictory to the first three verses where he is talking about death and destruction. This is totally different. There's a huge contrast here. So we're raised up with him and seated with him in the heaven, in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So this seated in the heavens um, is kind of confusing because it doesn't mean that we are equal to God. It doesn't mean that we're going to have our own throne in heaven and be um, up there and be like Jesus. What he's saying um, is that we do have authority now over evil spirits, and we're over, we are now able to overcome darkness. We don't have to be prisoners to sin and to this dark world um, because Jesus has raised us up and given us his own Holy Spirit and power that we can now um, fight against and wage war against our temptation and, and our fleshly desires. So now we have, if you look at the board, or up there, those are things that he has done with Christ. So apart from Christ, we were, does anyone remember or have it written down? We were walking by what? And we were ruled by what? And we were carrying out what? Okay. And now with Christ, he has made us, okay, and we are? And we are, <laughs> yeah, okay. It's good. I think it's good to just review because there's none of those two things are any type of similar, right? They're so contrasting. Um, and that is what Paul's reminding the people of. He's kind of saying, hey, like I know it's easy to kind of get numb if you grow up in the church. If you go to church, where we've been believers. We've seen God do a lot of things. It's easy to just kind of be like complacent and we know this story, but Paul's reminding them, like, this is what you were. You were really not good. You were dead. Like, you weren't, you weren't just a little sick leaf that then, like, God watered and brought back. Like, you were dead, dead to life. And so um, that comparison is just really important to grasp. Now he goes into um, verse 8. No, verse 7. I skipped. Verse 7 I'll start back in verse 6. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So he brings up the coming ages. What Does anyone know what they think the coming ages would be? 
he's kind of alluding to um, eternity. And he's saying that for all eternity, we're going to have God's grace. Um, and so when he talks about that for the ages to come, that he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace, who, what does, like, when you display something, do you display something that's like, what's something you would display? Okay, a ring or a crown. Something that has value, right, is really important. I'm thinking like a trophy in like your schools, right? You've got like, we won this title, we beat this team at soccer, whatever. Um, He's saying here that so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace up above that. He's saying that we're going to be raised up and seated with him to be like his... um, so that we will be his display. And so I just think that is such a neat picture. He's saying we're going to be trophies. Like we're going to be showcased as God's grace. Like look at her. I showed this much grace for her. Like, um, And that's how we get to be seated with him. We're going to be a display of God's eternal grace. Um, which I think is really comforting as well because that means... You know, someday we're not going to get to heaven and God's grace is not going to run out on day 5,000 of being in heaven, right? We're never going to lose that grace. We're never going to have to fear that. Um, A relationship with Christ is the most securing thing you could possibly have. It's never going to end. It's never going to stop. And we get to be what he displays. And he's so proud of that and so happy um, to have that relationship with us to get to display us in that way of being his grace. So now, verse 8. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. So we're moving into now in Christ, what he is. So, verse, wait, I'm so sorry. When he's saying, for you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of from yourselves. How often do we think things are from ourselves? Think things even that have nothing to do with this, where we can easily be like, you know, I think I had something to do with that. We like to poke ourselves in to anything good that happens and be like, oh, that was me. But this, again, Paul's just very blatantly honest and obvious Um, with this church he's writing to, you know, I can think of him. He's in prison. He doesn't have time to sugarcoat things and just saying, um, he says like, this is not from yourselves. This is just a reminder. You had nothing to do with this. You didn't earn any of this. Um, and that it is not any of our own work that gets us saved, but it is by Christ alone. He is the one, um, that freely gave his life and allowed us to be freed through salvation. And we did not deserve any of that. He could never, um, we could never make it to heaven on our own. And I think that's just uh, a huge part of understanding the gospel is that we are saved by grace from God and through faith, which we get to choose to have faith. Um, But, that was not done by us. And 
the Bible says over and over again, too, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before you were born, Christ had already died, right? And so now we just get to marvel and worship at his, him for his beautiful plan and know that we had absolutely nothing to do with that. Anything that you think you might do does not have... Um, does not have to do with why he did it or how he did it. Um, it's all on your own. So if you ever catch yourself, I know I can catch myself like, oh, I'm serving in this area or I've gone to church this many times, like God loves me more today or I get more forgiveness on this day. Um, but Christ is timeless and he knew all the sins we would commit and it was never, you know, it's not like any earthly relationship we have here, which is why it's so hard to grasp. There's no like, oh, like I fought with my sibling or my parent. I should like give them space and come back. And um, like if I did something wrong, I should like take a break and maybe like let them cool off. Like God does not need time to cool off. And he also has already done um, this amazing act. There's nothing that you could do to get it taken away. So the very first thing that he is, is that he is giving salvation to all who believe. And that is huge because it doesn't, it's not saying to all who serve in the church, to all who read their Bible every day, to all who never forget to pray, to all who come to church every Sunday. It's just saying to all who believe, which is amazing. What, there's not any else every other relationship we have we've got to give and take some things right and God wants a personal relationship with us but we don't have to give anything to immediately get um, get his attention or get his love or get his grace all we got to do is believe that he sent his son to die on this cross for us verse 9 it is not from works so that no one may boast again he's um, bringing up that this is not for the praise of anyone else. This is not a gift that anyone on earth gave to us. This is from um, Jesus Christ himself and God and our creator who was here, you know, way back at the beginning. Nobody that we um, knew or like nobody asked Jesus to die on the cross besides God and he that was part of his amazing plan. God gets all the glory for this plan. It was just him, and he did it to save the world because he wanted a personal relationship with the people he created and knew would be created in the future. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So this word workmanship is... We're saying we're, we're God's workmanship. We were created by him. We are his um, handiwork, and he is proud of us. He thinks every single one of you in this room is absolutely beautiful, and um, he knows your deepest thoughts and desires, and he made you that way. He knows um, every thought in your head, and he loves you despite it, or he loves you... Um, even when you don't think you deserve to be loved. And I just think that is a really, really encouraging that there's a God out there, whether you feel lonely or happy or any emotion out there, that the person that created 
the being that created the entire world um, calls you his, and he's never not going to claim you. He says, you are my masterpiece, and I am obsessed with you. I love you so much that I sent my son to die on the cross for you before you were even born, but I knew you were going to make all these mistakes, and I still was so excited on the day that you were born, and I was still so excited um, every day when you wake up because I just get to see you live on this earth that I created and bring me glory, even if you don't know it. Um, he has given, then he continues and says, which God, he created um, in Christ Jesus for us to do good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So he's given gifts to each and every one of us um, to share the gospel um, and to use for his glory. And so that's where we talk about spiritual gifts sometimes and um, talk about like different fruits of the spirit that we have. And so we can be like, um, he gives us different gifts through that can make us more in the image of God. Um, grace and mercy, kindness and love are all things that God is and we can bear his image through those things. He gives us each um, different gifts which he knows that we have. So if you are a believer, then God has gifts for you to use um, to spread his gospel. And if you're not yet a believer, there is things that God knows um, already that would make you super useful for his kingdom um, if you would just step into that and accept that. Um, they, those can be like hard things to kind of figure out, but in different seasons, you'll look back to of your life and there's always something you can teach somebody else. But, um, I think it's neat that God is all about free will, but he also has, knows all things and also knows how, um, great you would be a part of his kingdom if you let, um, if you let him lead your life. And so... When he's saying, for we are his workmanship, we are masterpieces created by God, um, and we were made to do good works for his kingdom. And so if we accept that, accept that challenge, um, he will use us to do amazing things and give us great gifts and abilities to reach people. And that, so then those are, um, the things that he is. He gives salvation to all who believe. He's um, offering undeserved grace in verse 9. That's when he says, so that none may boast, right? So nobody gets to claim this as being the one that thought of this, being the one that asked for this and pleaded with God and, oh, it was my idea, I did it. No, he gave it freely and it wasn't like, oh, I... I cracked the code. I went to church every Sunday for two years straight, and now I get it. It is fully undeserved. And then in verse 10, he just points out, you are my workmanship. I created you. You are awesome, and I want to use you, and I can prepare you with these special gifts to share the good news with others, which the good news is this, basically verses 8 through 10 of the gospel. Um, and so then we're going to keep going on a little bit. Verses um, 11 through 13 are a continuation 
and Kensley will keep going on with this next week, but it ties in really well. Paul just continues, and he says, so then remember that at one time you were Gentiles, which Gentiles, who knows? Gentile? Inslee? Yep, just the opposite of a Jew. So think there's Jewish people and then there's Gentiles. Gentile is just anything that's not a Jew. And at this time there was like the different um, territories and tribes. And so um, there's Jews and Gentiles were like against each other. And Jews thought they were going to claim Jesus and nobody else got him. Um, and so you'll see this in that language. But that's some more context. Okay. So remember then that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. 12. At that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in the world. So... We have um, him just, Paul just reminding them, giving again this contrast of you were Christless, you were foreigners, which is kind of going back to that dead state. He says they're without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and they're foreigners to the promise without hope. This is not good stuff. I don't want to be these people. Um, and he's talking about how they are, they were, that's how they previously were, all of these things, all these words that are not positive. Until we accept his gift, um, this is what we are. So we are foreigner, we are without hope, we are godless. And 13 says, but now in Christ, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We have been brought near by the grace of God. The blood of Jesus removes any separation that we would have to him. Um, and in Christ, we are free from the boundaries where we were supposed to be kept away. So when he's talking about you were excluded from the citizenship of Israel or when you were foreigners, you know, you think of kind of like a city that has walls up. That's how we were. We were excluded and out of that kingdom um, and we were not going to be allowed in. Our fate was to never be in it and just die outside of it. And then God made a way. Um, and so that brings us near. And it says, we've been far away, but we were brought near by the blood of Christ, which is super crucial. It's, again, it's not from ourselves. We're not brought near because we, you know, got a rope and we threw it over this wall of this city and we started climbing up and we didn't get it because we you know called someone inside and we didn't bring in those trojan horses or anything like that aha we broke in like there's no breaking into heaven we there's one way in one way um for us to get that gift and eternal life um and that is understanding the blood of christ so I, up there, I think the last slide I just put up um, was just things that 
uh, you can like reflect on and look at. We were dead and we're made alive. We were without Christ and now we can be in Christ. We were excluded and now we can be brought near and we are without hope and now there is hope in Jesus' blood. And so I just um, really want you guys to reflect. This really is the gospel. This is like the point of um, like what Christians believe. And I don't know if you grew up in church or if you just started coming or um, what your beliefs are. I know that Adam or any of the interns or I would absolutely love to dive into any of this. Any questions you have, it's not a sin to be doubtful. It's not a sin to be confused. Um, and there's no dumb questions here. Um, but I just want you guys to really think and ponder on this. This passage is just really good at um, just the picture of from death to life. And think about, you know. Not like, am I dead? Because we're all breathing. But do have you felt this freedom? Do you feel made alive? Do you feel raised up? Or do you feel every day like you're um, chained down to the world? Or you're constantly walking by the world, feeling like you're chained um, to a same sin pattern, or you're ruled by Satan, or you can't escape fleshly desires. Um, and so if that's you tonight, or if maybe that, was you, but you're like, oh, like, I haven't really thought about that and prayed to God and, like, thanked him for giving that ultimate one-way-in pass um, to eternal life and a relationship with Christ. Maybe tonight you just need to be thinking and pondering how, um, how can you bring your relationship with God back. Maybe um, you need to be making a recommitment or doing some um, repenting and just thinking about, man, I really lost hold of that. I really forgot that God sees me as a masterpiece, and I've been talking really down to myself, and that is not okay because that's not who God says I am in this book. Um, but that he's made us alive, and he's raised us up anytime that we are down, when we were ultimately down um, and deserve death, he raised us up, and he didn't just raise us up. He seated us with him. He told us we're going to be a trophy of his grace for eternity. And now, if we accept that gift, he's going to give us, just, he's going to give us salvation. Um, he's going to give salvation to anybody who believes. He's going to uh, offer undeserved grace to us. And he's going to be preparing us to share the good news with others if that's the next step that you think you might need to take is maybe tuning into the Holy Spirit and what gifts he wants you to be displaying for um, the world to see. So um, I can go ahead and close us in pray, prayer, um, and then we'll go and have discussion groups. But you guys have been great listeners. Lord, um, I just thank you so much for your grace and just how undeserving it is. God, I thank you that when um, I was dead in my sin and there was no hope that you had already made a way and all I had to do was be aware of that way and believe in that way. Um, 
and you allowed um, life and freedom. Lord, I just um, thank you for just what an amazing idea you had to send your son and give salvation to all who believe. I just pray tonight um, as we go into discussions, Lord, that you would just uh, send your Holy Spirit to work on each heart of each individual here, God. I just pray that you um, just tell them what they needed to hear tonight, whether that be that they're created by you um, and that you love them or um, if you want to tell them that they don't have to be dead anymore and maybe tonight they need to be made alive. Um, or maybe in, they're in a season of feeling like there is no hope and they need to be reminded that you have hope for them. Um, and I just pray that you would just work on each one of them, Lord. We come to you. We thank you for your word and, and the safety that um, this country offers us to just speak about you freely and worship in a public place. Um, I just thank you so much for um, just what you're doing in this ministry. I just pray that you'd guide our conversations tonight um, and just allow fellowship to continue. In your great name, amen.